So, are there any questions tonight? Uh, when we're talking about Gupta being a Hanuman in Gauravila, I was wondering, uh, what about Prahlat and Guru Maharaj? Were they also in Gauravila since Mahaprabhu was liking so much uh, teaching and hearing the, the stories of them? Is it so sadhakas? Rani Nandana is um, reminding us of the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, standing here on the left, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is considered to be a combined form of Radha and Krishna appearing in the world to distribute the chanting of Hare Krishna as he did 500 years ago. So Radha and Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Radha Krishna Mahayanya. And while that is a very kind of esoteric idea, he himself, as a, as an ascetic, he would, uh, in uh, his distribution of the chanting, he was dressed similarly like, like this. And he would... Uh, not only distribute the chanting of Hare Krishna, but he would contemplate the inner meaning of it from bottom to top. And he reminding us of the fact that he liked to hear from the lotus mouth of Gadadhar Pandit, the Bhagavatam discourse. And it is mentioned that particularly the leelas of Prahlad, Prahlad Charit, the chapters on Prahlad, this is, these are coming in this month, we're having a festival. Before I leave, um, regarding those chapters, Prahlada, Prahlad, it means happiness, full of happiness. And uh, of course he is the devotee for whom the particular avatar of Narasimha appeared. And we'll be talking about that, of course, very um, full of... Um, important lessons and so forth. Um, so he liked to hear these chapters, the character of Prahlad and, and so forth, and also the chapters about Dhruva. Hmm. Dhruva was um, a boy who, whose um, father neglected him and he wanted a kingdom anyway. The father was a king, so he asked his mother where he could get a kingdom. She said, you have to ask God for that, something like that. So he said, where's God? She said, in the forest. So there he went, to the forest, and meditated, and Vishnu appeared before him, and so forth. So these are instructive stories, um, Leela's um, from the Puranas, and they're showcased in the Bhagavatam in a particular way, and they speak about the, the lower end, in a sense, of all that can be found in the chanting of Hare Krishna, which begins with what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu described as Chaitanya Marjanam, cleansing the, the heart. By heart he means the chitta. The is a subtle, in the yoga uh, language and thought, philosophy, there's a subtle organ called chitta. It's hard to translate into English, mind, heart, but it's an instrument that the objects of the world or the sense of the world, picture of the world, reflects upon. Hmm. 
and and we relate to that picture in a particular way. And it gets filled up with tendencies and some scars, and and uh, which cause us to act according to them as we form habits and and we act habitually and so forth. And so the beginning of the spiritual life is to cleanse the citta. Chitta Dharpana Marjami compared it to a mirror. Hmm. Dharpana that would reflect the world, a reflection of the world that we would relate to and so forth, identify with and, and the need to cleanse that. Hmm. It's like a sometimes it might be compared to like a lake hmm, also, which is reflective. Hmm. Right. In the lake you can see things reflected upside down. But um, while a a peaceful, calm lake, a calm lake, I should say, will bring peace of mind, if the lake is disturbed, if you take a hundred stones and throw it in the lake, it won't have the same effect, and it may agitate your mind. Hmm. So all of such waves, if you will, started by throwing stones in different centers of the lake that would disturb the mind compared to entering the forest and coming upon a quiet, placid lake, flat and shiny and so forth. So our mind is the chitta, something like that. And um, and so all the stones are the so many desires that we have and they're causing vrittis or waves and they're conflicting with one another. We have desires that are in, conf- in conflict with one another and with others and and so forth. So. The very basic uh, beginning of the spiritual life is a, in, and the culmination in some schools, really, it's the beginning only in our school, is, is, to, is to make this pond, this lake of the mind, still. Chitta vritti nirodha, take all the vrittis, all the waves out. Um, and at the same time, as I say, that's not the end, because the implication is that if the if the chit is placid or uh, waveless, flat, and so forth, then you come to what we might call peace, shanti, shanti. We were, you were fighting, we were at war, and we came to peace. Jivo jivasya jivanam. This is our Darwinian statement from the Bhagavatam. One living being is food for another. It's a fact. I've told before that uh, some time back I saw a spider web with a fly in it. You know, you can see that. I went to free the fly. I thought, oh, the fly is caught. And along came the spider. That is this world. There's no winning, you understand? I want to free the spider, I want to free the fly, but then the spider will go hungry. Hmm? So you save one, another suffers as a result of that. Hmm? And this is the way this world works. Hmm? World of the mind and the senses. There's no winning, there's no political victory, there will always be conflict. There will always be conflict. Hmm? And the conflict arises in the citta. Hmm? We think it's without, so we try to adjust without, hmm? adjust our lifestyle outwardly, change political parties, uh, you know, 
feed the poor, whatever, protest against war, go to war. I mean, it's, it's just one opposite against another, one opposite against another, and both are two sides of the same coin. That is material existence. That is its very nature. Hmm? By good association, one can come to this conclusion, just like our friend Dylan has been searching. So he'd been searching, traveling here and there for a couple of years, going, looking, searching. But now we we implore him, having come here, don't have to go anywhere. You have to go in here. Hmm. You have to go inside. Hmm. You make this and stop the waves hmm. in the chitta that are all different desires. Hmm. So it's making people move their desires. Hmm. So this is this is sounds easy, but it's it's not so easy. Hmm. This is the work. Hmm cleanse the heart. So, this is the beginning, but if we should do that, as I say, you will come to peace. Hmm? So, when I was young, I looked kind of like, like you, you remind me myself. And I see you what I was like when I was 23. Just I just met Prabhupada when I was 23. And so, when's your birthday? November 30th. November 30th. Okay, so in those days we advocated two things, peace and what else? Peace and love. <laughs> peace and love. So you don't want just peace, you want love. And there's a difference between the two. Hmm? Hmm. Peace is like the end of the war. Hmm? We have peace. Now what do we do? You understand? You have war. That's one thing. Now we want peace. Peace means stop the war. Is there anything else to do besides stopping the war? What do you do now? Just sit there? Peace, peace, peace. No, you have to love. Peace and love. <laughs> uh, so make a simple play on the words to illustrate a very significant uh, point. Point being that as I said, in our tradition, the, the cleansing of the citta, which will bring peace, is only the beginning of real spiritual life. Hmm? You take the same example of the pond that I gave with many stones thrown in many different places. Hmm? Stopping all the stone throwing, it becomes peaceful. Our position is that would be done in the context of bhakti. Hmm? That would be the first thing. And there will be symptoms for this, of course. And we're being harassed. The war is, and the war is not with anybody else, really. The war is with our own mind and our own senses and the desires that we have. Hmm? The entire struggle is, is, is within. We are the problem only. We're looking at the world from the wrong angle of vision and acting accordingly, and you know, this, is, this is the problem. We are identified with the body as ourself, and the body has needs, so we have to take. So how can you love when, when loving is about giving, not about taking? So... There's no way, there is no way that you can be a real lover in the full sense of the term, a real giver, and still be identified with the body as yourself, which will have needs, which will create a bias in you. A bias. If you have a need, that means you, <laughs> you can't freely give. That's why a politician is supposed to be, you know, not have any needs. And... Because when they do, you can buy them off. 
Hmm? And so the different people lobby and say, you know, we want this, and if you give us this, we'll give you that, and you vote this way. And so they're supposed to be, like, not bought off by the, the corporations, of course, but they, they are. Hmm? Science is supposed to be objective. Hmm? Science is, but scientists are not. They cannot be, hmm? because they're human. Human, that, and this is a common saying, well, we're only human. It, it, it's, it's, that's saying what I'm saying. The human condition is, is, a, is a condition that's a compromise. Hmm? It's a compromise. Hmm? What's right is one thing, but I can't always do it. Because hmm? I have, I'm, I'm, I'm identified with the body-mind complex and well it has needs hmm? it has physical needs emotional needs and so forth and we, what our teaching basic teaching is that there's, there's a difference between the body and the self and the body and the self and the mind hmm? we're animating the body and the mind and we've identified with the show and then we have the needs that they have hmm? We think we're biological, so they're biological problems. Hmm? Rather, we should think I, I am inhabiting a biological and psychological uh, organism, not <coughs> complex, and I'm not it. I'm identified with it to some extent, but theoretically I know I'm not, and I should conduct myself in such a way, which is what spiritual practice is, to realize the difference. And meanwhile, I'll deal with the biological and psychological needs as much as necessary to continue that practice. So at any rate, to love, the point is, one has to be unconditionally, as it's thought, and we should, and you have to be a giver. But to be a giver, you can't have any needs. Give means to your full. If you only give, then who can do that? Who has no needs? Right. If you have need, then you have to take sometimes also. We should only take as much as we need to give. Ishaba Sumidam Sarvam. What is that verse? Ishaba Sumidam Sarvam. Tena Chaktena Bhutnitahama. Everyone has a, like a quota, so to speak. Human beings are like way over the quota. What is big of human Americans, human white Americans, <laughs> way way over the quota. Hmm? And you see, realistically, what people need. People can live in, in, you know, what conditions they can live in, compared to the ones they think they they couldn't live without. Hmm? Right? Doesn't mean, of course, we should just live in the most impoverished conditions, but we should. We should take what we need to keep the body and mind fit, so to speak, for spiritual practice. Hmm? And that doesn't take much. Hmm? This way you can become a giver. Hmm? Short of that, however, then you know, there's, there are so many attempts to arrive at the same thing. Hmm? Really, What's real spiritual practice, sadhana is, spiritual practices, is what everybody, th it's, it's aimed exclusively at attaining 
what everybody everybody feels is worthy of attaining without thinking about it. In other words, if somebody becomes great in this world, why do they become great? Because they were a sacrificer, because they were a giver, they were a Gandhi, they were a um, Mandela, they were a um, Martin Luther King, a who? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. These are the big people. Hmm? Not the takers. They're big, but they're big demons. You know, they're not. No, there's the, the Hitlers. You know, there's the Mussolini, there's the Stalins, Putins, whatever the Obamas or whatever they are. You know, this, uh, they come in all all stripes, and <coughs> colors, and everywhere in between. And so, whether the people that are really remembered um, uh, and glorified, they are the givers. Hmm? The givers, the sacrificers. Hmm? And um, and everybody teaches that you should be like that. Of course, you can't really perfectly be like that. So everybody goes, so they know that, and so they give you some slack. But they, but if you could, right? If you could, and of course we can look at the Teresas and the Mandelas and see how far they went. They went pretty far by human estimation, but still. We're talking about something more than that, actually. Hmm? Farther than, much farther than that. Hmm? Hmm. These people who do that, the Perlads, the Druvas, the Chaitanyas, they're so far that people don't even want to, kind of don't want to talk about them too much. Because they, they say to us what we should be doing, what we could be, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a tall order, so to speak. Hmm? But people do teach that on different levels. You should be like this, you should be... This is what they teach. But they don't teach exclusively how to do that in a radical way. That's what we're teaching here. That's what real experiential spiritual life, serious spiritual practice is about. So it's not for everybody. It is, but... <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's, um, it's extreme. And you will become celebrated for that, not that you, we do it for that purpose, but you become celebrated. But even then, a smaller circle. Hmm? Right? I mean, they celebrate Christ in a way. He's a sacrificer, but nobody wants to be like him, <laughs> or they want to be, but they think they can't. And so you know, he's over there, you know. But Arius knew you can be like that. Hmm? That's what you're supposed to be like. That's what he taught. Hmm? Well, it is, what if it means you got to get nailed on the cross? Then so be it. You know, that's the, that's the point. Hmm? That's the point of that tradition, for example. Hmm? To be what you should be will probably result in being crucified or something like that from the general public. Hmm? Because even though they teach that you should be like that, hmm? they think you really can't, <coughs> and when people start to, it makes them uncomfortable. Because hmm? it speaks to them about what they should be doing in a sense, and then so then you start to dismiss it. Say it's not really what it looks like. Hmm? It wasn't really what happened. Hmm? You find people like like this, hmm? and uh, there's books about how bad Mother Teresa really was, or how you know Martin Luther King was you know was a um, you know had many lovers. Or they find faults in him. He's really not. They're really not. And there may be some faults to find, but I mean there are people that are faultless. Hmm? But then they find faults in them, too. 
This is the unfortunate human condition. Hmm? Yeah. Well, don't expect that um, a lot of people will take this kind of life uh, seriously. When you say, you know, come join with us, what will it be like? You could be nailed on a cross, it's possible. <laughs> well, you know, it's been nice, you know. Thanks for the food. <laughs> of course, what, what is, what's hidden in all this is the fact that, that, that love is born from the womb of sacrifice. And, and so what appears on the outside to be very disconcerting inside is very comforting. It's full of bliss, actually. That's how he could hang there. Use his, I mean, it's just Easter, so, you know. He hung there and he didn't die, right? He died and he came back. This is a story, right? So um, he, he 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 transcended, hmm? um, so that you you know you have to do these things, but but the but these things you you can bear the weight of the world, hmm? Hmm? because of what you are gaining by actually giving in in in, in yoga means. Spiritual life means in a kind of a methodological way that's been well thought out for eons, for centuries, and there, there are people in the lineage who have perfected that, who set the example and teaching. So it's a very systematic way for going about this. Hmm? There's a method to the, to the madness, if you will, of the saints. Hmm? And of course, that's that. Well, not everybody can be a saint. I mean, everybody's supposed to be. That's the point. And that's why you can be sure people say, "Well, what if everybody became a saint? Then who would be left?" You don't have to worry about that. It won't happen too too quickly. Besides that, there are infinite numbers. So okay. there's no plus or minus here in that sense. That doesn't fit. I know between the ears, but some things are beyond reason, and that's good. Because reason is rather rather boring when it all comes down to it. Hmm? So to cleanse the heart, to 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 it means it means these desires. When we speak of cleansing, these are the desire. The desires are the are the dirt because they're self they're they're self oriented in relation to a false sense of self, the body mind complex. Hmm? And so it's a disturbed condition. It's like that pond. It's, it's people throwing so many stones in there and the waves are hitting one another. So you settle all this out. You, you create an environment that's peaceful. Hmm? Good association reminds you of these values. You begin the day early. For example, in our tradition, hearing, chanting. You hear this chanting. Just listen. You change the way, brain, the way the brain works, create a different state, and then the name hmm, has wealth in it. Hmm? The name of Krishna has deep, great wealth in that. It will cleanse the heart hmm? as it cleanses the heart. Like I was saying the other day, you know, like like a sweeper sweeps the heart, and then as the dust of the desires go away, in the, in the mountain, if you will, uh, over the over the coal. In which there's a diamond, and that's you. Hmm? A mountain of misconception. Then you sweep a little, and then, then you, you 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 see the brightness of the self, more fulgent than millions of suns, and millions of moons. Hmm? 
you know, you get a glimpse, you have a slight experience. But what lies in the self alone, what to speak of its source, God, Krishna, what lies in the self alone is more satisfying, happy, blissful, than if I could take all of the happiness that could come for interaction with sense objects, all of it, through everybody's different senses, put in a big syringe and inject myself, that would feel like zero in comparison. It's otherworldly. You have otherworldly experience. That's what ecstasy means. It means beyond the senses. Our ordinary affairs are based on sense perception. We have senses for motor actions and senses for perceiving, by which we move and touch and hear and smell the world, and that's how we get our bliss, if you can call it that. Really, it, it, those senses cause us to be attached to sense objects, and that is inevitably results in, in misery, because even if you get something that you like, let's say you get a, some sensation that you like, because you met a girl and you really liked her, let's say. Hmm? You really like it. It's great. So you say, well, you know, it's not all bad, Swami. Hmm? I'm feeling pretty good. Then Krishna says in the Gita, what? Well, I will sum the world up in two words. Dukkalayama shashvatam. It's full of suffering. But I like it. Well, then the second word comes. Dukalaya means suffering, second word comes. Oh, if you like it, well, you can't keep it. Shashvatam. Now, how do you like it? The more you like it, the more the problem, you understand? The more you like something, and then you realize, I can't keep it. The very thing that you're liking now has become a problem. Because hmm? when it's gone, then you will cry. Then you will feel pain. And that's what happens when she goes off with somebody else. <laughs> And that happens sometimes, hmm? perhaps more times than not, unfortunately. And it goes, I mean, vice versa, obviously. And this is just one example. And so it is with all of our feelings hmm? and all of the happiness that we could gather by the senses. So the idea here is to go outside of the senses. That is what is called ecstasy. Hmm? Beyond the senses. This is the real meaning of the of the word, and now it means whatever, winning the football game or, you know, something like that. It's, uh, it's not the same thing. And this comes in it, it comes in a different way. It has to come in a different way. It doesn't come by interacting with sense objects based on a certain sense of what I am and what those objects will do for me. Hmm? Sense of that I'm part of this body-mind complex, but with a different orientation. And then we use the senses, for example, to chant, to hear, to sit, listen, to taste the food that had been offered to Krishna. It has a different effect. And this is all part of the cleansing of bhakti. And when that diamond of the self in the rough shines, you get a glimpse of that, then you want to pass out. Hmm? Hmm. It takes some time to fully cleanse it off, but you get a little glimpse and they say, I'm not going anywhere. Hmm? Then it goes away because you, you, you're not consistent in your practice, and, and, and so you have to keep working at it. But eventually, there's enough uncovered that you're you're always feeling like this. Hmm? 
you're, you're in touch with the self, and it's it's ananda, it's it's it's, it's inherent bliss, and it, and you're connecting that self with its source, which is like greater capital. Hmm. Hmm. Right? You're like a ray of the sun of this um, personified ecstasy. So to connect with the sun, hmm? sometimes the cloud comes. Still the sun beneath the cloud, but you can't quite, you can see, anyway. But the cloud passes, and oh, then you see the ray is connected. Hmm. So sometimes in our practice, the mind is, it, it's, not, it's not easy to control it hmm? and to sort out and weed out the diseases. So sometimes you have like a cloudy day, right? Hmm? But it will pass, the sun will come out again eventually by your practice, then all the clouds will be evaporated. Hmm? Oh. But the idea here, the point here is that cleansing is the one thing that will bring us to peace. That will be ecstatic also. Hmm? But connecting further the atma with the paramatma, the individual soul, if you will, to, with its source, hmm? this interaction between the two is love. Stopping the fighting, that's peace. I said we need peace, but we need something to do after the peace. Right? You need to love. So to love, you you have there has to be another. Now the other can't come from the war regime. That is my interaction with matter and my misperceived sense of myself that causes me to fight for things and acquire and and uh, and so forth can't come from that side that was the warring part. you tried to love there but it was problematic so you stopped that you got peace now if you want love there has to be someone on the other side hmm? constituted not of matter but of consciousness like you are hmm? that is your source so unite this is what we mean by Krishna of course in a simple way hmm? And so, to you go back to the example of the pond, right? It was peaceful, but then somebody threw rocks in from so many different places. Then we stopped that, became peaceful again. What are we doing beyond peace with regard to this this analogy? We're taking stones and we're throwing them. How many? Many as you want. Hmm? As many as you want. Won't that be a problem? No. Won't that disturb the the pond and make it unpeaceful? No. Why? Because? Why? Every stone we throw in the same place. If that stone has the same center, every stone in the same center, the waves will go out concentrically. Hmm? You had a peaceful pond, now you have these concentric waves. See the difference? One thing is like, the waves like this and so many different centers. That's disturbing. Hmm? Another thing, peaceful, that calm. Hmm? Now you add love to that means you make waves like this, they're concentric and uniform, hmm? and it makes it's peaceful. It's not only peaceful to the mind, but it's yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it 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 allows you to move a little bit with it. I like that. Hmm? You can flow. Hmm? Hmm? So this is the dancing of the kirtan of Krishna. We're all, we're all chanting, <coughs> all in the same. We're all speaking, 
Hmm? All in the same place, all centered. Hmm? Causing these concentric waves to go very peaceful, started to dance, and bliss was coming. Hmm? Not just the bliss of the self, but the bliss of bhakti. By, 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 by connecting the self with its source. So, these are basic, basic ideas. And these kind of ideas can be found in the Prahlad chapters about Prahlad and Dhruva. Hmm? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would like to hear them from Gadadhar, who was a very exalted person, saint, and could have spoken about many higher, higher topics. This is just the beginning. It goes so high. Hmm? But, uh, and so some devotees, they think, well, you know, I've heard that chapter about Prahlad, I've heard this one about Dhruva. Let me hear something higher. But one saint, Balabhatirtamara, she once said, if you say, I've already heard that, you haven't heard it at all. Hmm? You see, one devotee asked me how Pujapad Sridharmarsh could speak about the highest topics in such a way that devotees who were on a lower level didn't misunderstand them hmm, to be something other than what he talked about. Hmm? Because there's some eligibility is required in understanding to understand the higher topics, they could be misunderstood. I said, well, he talked about higher topics sometimes. But most of the time he talked about the lowest topics in the highest way, hmm? which would be most good for you. Hmm? Because if you get this one point in place, cleansing the heart through chanting, everything else will come automatically. Hmm? You won't even need the higher, the higher teachings will come within you. Hmm? You won't even need to hear them. If you could, but usually we need to hear the lowest teachings again and again in the highest way, and a little something high. You know, oh, well, the prospect is, or there's some meaning, and then, but all that. What we hear should in the head, through the head, should be used to soften the heart, to cleanse the heart. Then knowing will come in a way that it can never come, hmm? just by talking. Hmm? However powerful the talk is, hmm? it's meant to empower us, so to speak, or compel us to do the things which will give us the experience that the, the speaker has that they're trying to articulate through words that are insufficient. Hmm? They're not up to the task because it's beyond words, beyond thought. Mm-hmm. So Mahaprabhu Chaitanya would sit daily and hear from Gadadhar about Prahlad Leela, the Leelas of Prahlad, all, uh, it's covering several chapters of the Bhagavatam and Dhruva. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good lesson for us. Mm-hmm. And we'll come. We'll talk about the, the Prahlad Charit later this, this month. Now your question in that context is is that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in the world, we say that he's the appearance of Krishna, the combined form of Radha and Krishna. So they have associates that that also came with him, and then they are identified. But this one is Lalita, this one is Vishaka, this one is Sridham, Subha, this one is Hanuman, which you mentioned, Murari Gupta. Hmm. Well, who who amongst them is Prahlad? Who amongst them is Druva? That is your question. Is there Are they present there? Something like that. There's a couple ways in which this is, of course, to be thought about. One is that the person is actually there, or one is that the, the, the bhava, there's, and the characteristics of the person, resemble one of the paradigmatic figures of the texts that, that are talked about that teach something by their example, the prahlad of the text, a paradigmatic figure, the druva, hmm, the, the, the hanuman, and so forth. So. So with regard to Prahlad, then uh, that uh, Hadidas has been compared to Prahlad because 
of how he uh, suffered at the hands of the Muslims, which is similar to how Prahlad in the uh, Bhagavatam lore, the text of the Bhagavatam, suffered at the hands of his father. That story we'll tell later this month when we come to that, but some of you know it. But um, uh, uh, but it, the Haridas in, in Chaitanya's time, he was once, he was a Muslim by birth, but he became attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching and so forth, so he became very uh, proficient in the chanting, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, he is the, by him we will learn about the chanting. His example hmm, speaks louder than any, any, any words or any instruction about the chanting. And he would chant 20, what, 22, 23 hours a day. Hmm. Stop, take a little rest. If there was anything that had been offered to Krishna that was given, he would eat, then he would chant, take up his vow to chant. It was peaceful, he could sit and chant, he had love. Hmm? Very extraordinary example. So, the meanwhile, Bengal was ruled by the Muslims. <clears throat> and so, in, at that time, there was some peace between the Hindus and the Muslims. Hmm? Um, and these are all just religious people. And religious people, they fight. Spiritual people don't. Hmm? You can have a religious orientation to a tradition or a spiritual orientation. Spiritual orientation where you'll debate different nuanced ideas and so forth, or your, what your experience is and mine. The religious orientation, people will fight. Because they identify with, oh, you cut your hair like that, we cut our hair like this. You're wrong and we're right. You know, If you don't grow a beard, you can't go to heaven. You know, It's like the Muslims think something like that. Hindus, they have their other... So these are all externals. They're only as useful as they get one beyond that kind of thinking, that they are essential, that they are the sum and substance of the whole tradition. Hmm? They have value. I mean, you know, the monks shave their heads for a reason. It's, you know, it's for doing away with vanity. This kind of dress, it's, it means like, well, you know, it's not a lot of shopping for that. You know, it's just a cloth, basically, right? It's not... Now they're not wearing these things at fashion shows. Hmm? It's, uh, it's, it's to help one, you know, do away with vanity and, and in the in the stand out in the world as a person who's not into that, so to speak, who you might learn something from potentially this idea. So well, there are reasons for the dress and for the decorum and the way that the devotees conduct themselves and so forth. So like a, like a new person may come, like, like a person like Dylan comes sometimes, and then some of the devotees say, you should do it like this, you should do it like that, don't do it like this, don't do it like that. Like, oh, yeah. And, and, and I would think, well, it's okay, we did it wrong, whatever. But is he learning anything? Is he identifying with the ideas? Then I'm not worried to do this wrong, don't worry about that. He'll get that together, that'll come later on, and that's not as important. What are the ideas? Does he get any feeling for this? Is he... The understanding something, imbibing, hmm? because you, others may be less imbibed, <laughs> so to speak, have imbibed less themselves. They're thinking, well, you got to have the head cut, you got to have this cut, you got to have hair cut, you got to have this, you got to have that. And so, hmm. those things are important. They have their value. They help. They're helpful. That's why we do them. But, but they're not the sum and substance of the whole uh, tradition, the whole teaching. 
Those who think they are, then they fight with other people because they dress different, they bow down different, they say different prayers at different times, and they want to go to war, and so forth. So, so anyway, these Muslims, they were, they permitted the Hindus to be Hindus in India that they had invaded, and, you know, that they were ruling over in, in this section in Bengal. They permitted the Hindus to, to, to do their religion, but if a, they did not permit a Muslim to convert to being a Hindu, that's against the law. That's against the law in Islamic countries, fundamentalist Islamic countries today. You can't convert, or they'll put you, you know, they stone you or something like that. So, Haridas was a, you know, a convert. So, it became an issue, and so the um, it was brought to the, uh, the whatever the governor's attention or something like that, and so he had to make an example out of Haridas for other Muslims. So they brought him in, they said, you have to stop this chanting of, of Hare Krishna. He said, well, you know, it's not like that. I can't stop chanting. It just, my tongue just goes automatically. My heart's beating a certain way, and it just, you know. And they, and they, they said, well, you know, you're going to have to stop, or we're, we're going to, you know, stop your heart from beating, basically. How's that? He said, well, you know, do what you need to do, but I, I can't stop the chanting. So, um, and it was ordained in the court that he would be beaten in 21 marketplaces. That means through in the local area, you go through 21 different marketplaces, which a lot of people get exposure because they all have their market that they go to. He'd be taken from from one, two, three, four to 21 different marketplaces and beaten. They would tie him and they would whip them, you know, so many lashes, so forth. Hmm? By the end of 21, you're dead. So, he, you know, he had the opportunity to, to stop at a certain point, I think was the thing. You stop chanting, you know, in the third marketplace, okay, you've learned your lesson, we've taught the people. And you stop being a Hindu. This is our craziness. So, they beat him in 21 marketplaces. They didn't stop chanting. Hmm? They got to the 21st marketplace and they beat him. And, you know, he was beaten, but he was still chanting. And then the people who beat him, who had been told by the governor to beat him, they said, you're causing us a big problem. He said, why? I don't want to cause anybody a problem. Hmm? He said, because if you're not dying. If you don't die, he's going to cut off our heads now. He said, oh, then throw me in the Ganges and I'll die. Hmm? So they threw him in the Ganges. He just floated down, you know, got up on the other bank, and <laughs> there he was, you know. And and there Chaitanya appeared hmm, to him. Hmm. And he said, I know what you experienced. All I was taking all the blows on myself. Then he embraced him, and all the marks on his body from the whipping went away and so forth. He said, you are the Acharya, that who, the person by their example without saying anything except chanting, teaches the chanting, the efficacy of it, the, what it can do, what the power, and so forth. Hmm? So, the beating and the harassment that he incurred has a parallel in a different Leela, in Krishna's Leela, with Prahlad, hmm? or Prahlad Leela, which we'll hear about, how his father beat him, and so many ways tried to stop him from being a devotee, and, and um, the power he was moving under a different energy, obviously. It had no power to stop him. And, and 
ultimately his father even became blessed as in, in, in the long run by his power. So, so because of that parallel, sometimes Haridas is called Brahmaridas, Brahma for other reasons. Haridas, you, so, so the identification that you find the devotees make, this devotee in Chaitanya Leela is this devotee in Krishna's other Leela. Sometimes they may be literal or sometimes they may be... We see the characteristics of that devotee, so in a way, Prahlad's present here. Hmm? Do you understand? In a way. And um, and with regard to Dhruva, which you ask about, I don't know if anyone identified with Dhruva, and Dhruva's situation is a little different hmm, than Prahlad. Prahlad represents Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? Dhruva doesn't rec- represent Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? Yeah, he had a desire for a big kingdom, as I said. Vishnu came, gave him the kingdom. He said, I get, now I've got, I was, he said, I was looking for a broken piece of glass, the big kingdom, and I found a valuable jewel. Vishnu said, anyway, you take the broken glass. You wanted it, you take it. After you're through with that, gave him a kingdom. He had rule for a long time then. So his devotion is different. It's instructive, though. Hmm? And many people will have an approach like Dhruva. So Mahaprabhu would hear those those uh, narr- narrations of the significance of those. You can go over the, over and over again, just like I've gone over very briefly this story of Haridas. We made a couple of points. You can go over and make so many more points from that again and again. So these things can be heard again and again. And it's, 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 it's easy to hear them. They're nice uh, stories, and, and, and they have deep, Significance, and you can go to bed and dream about them, you know, and so forth. And you can, this is a way you can become absorbed, preoccupied in a very human like, friendly like way. I mean, I could tell you, look, you should, your desires are your problems, your thoughts are your problems, stop thinking. Okay, that's what I go on. So I sit, look at a, look at a white wall, you know, some Buddhist they try to do, they sit and look at a white wall. That's not easy to do, sit and look at a white wall for a long time. To hear this story, that was very easy <laughs> comparison. And it will have the effect of cleansing the heart <coughs> and more, actually. Hmm? So it's a very user-friendly type of path. And we like to sing, we like to dance, we like to discuss, and we, we like to eat, so we have nice prasadam and, and a nice, uh, good, good company. Hmm? Hmm. As I said, we want not we want we don't want war. We want peace, but we want more than peace. We want love. Hmm? Peace means a, a stopping. So there's no there's no commerce yet. You haven't started. You have to interact with others. For, only for with bhakti can you have others to interact with in transcendence. Buddhism, you have to do away with everybody else hmm? and yourself. You can get peace by that, but it's not a doctrine of love. It's a doctrine of peace, actually. Hmm? You ever seen like Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Being Peace? Yeah, Being Peace. He's right. Hmm? We don't need to make peace, be peace, but we want to say be peace and love. <laughs> Something like that. So it's a different um, philosophy. Hmm? So it has similar, you know, all these mystical paths will have much in common. Hmm? They all say you're different than the body, and you know, what is the mind, and the self. They say the same thing, but then. Within, beyond, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the realization, the penetration into transcendence, 
then they will draw, bring back different experiences. Hmm? And that will play into the path itself. Hmm? Because the path will correspond with the, with the, with the end. So, anyway, a few words on that. I want to speak about it in a broad way so that everybody could get something from it. What was the time? 8.05. Okay, well, we're out of time. So, we'll stop for tonight and then tomorrow we meet again, right? Start again. And then um, we'll go out and do some clearing and so forth. I've got some specific things in mind. I'll be out there in the forest with you. I love it out there. It's so it's a, it's a beautiful place, Mary. It's peaceful and beautiful. Sri Man Mahaprabhu ki jai Sri Radha Madhava ki jai Gaur Bhakta Mundi ki jai Gaur Premanandi